Tonight's reading is in two parts. The first from Isaiah chapter 35, which is on page 719. And the second from Mark chapter 7, on page 1011. So starting with Isaiah chapter 35 and reading verses 1 to 6. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, and the splendour of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendour of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. And then turning to Mark 7 on page 1011. I'm reading from verse 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hands on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spat and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the word of the Lord. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Here's a, a verse I was reading this morning. Blessed is the man or woman who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes, its leaves are always green. Our Father, we pray that as we listen to your word now, that you would enable us to hear. Please, Father, would we be like those who listen, who trust, and put our confidence in you, and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, chances are, if you've been on your social media feeds over the last couple of years, uh, if you don't know what social media feeds are, ask your grandchildren afterwards. But if you've been on social media feeds over the last couple of years, you would have come across probably a video of someone hearing for the first time. Uh, I don't know if you've seen them. They're normally of people who have received a cochlear implant. And uh, we're normally presented with the moment they hear 
for the very first time when the implant is switched on. Uh, Me, for example, here, uh, Dea Rivers, Uh, uh, this is the moment where she hears the first words ever heard, uh, and it's from her parents. They say, I love you. And uh, to be honest, I wanted to show you a video of this, but I thought it's too emotional, and uh, 80% of us will be in floods of tears, and that's not a great start to a sermon. So um, I'm afraid you'll have to make do with the picture. But I don't know if you've seen those videos. It is unimaginable, isn't it, the uh, strength of emotion people feel. The unimaginable, life-changing work of going from a world of silence into a world of rich sound. But that is exactly what happens to this man in this passage. We meet in this passage this evening a deaf man who cannot hear, who cannot speak, and yet Jesus, in an instant, with a word, gives him his hearing and his speech. Now, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes it's easy to read passages like this and think, okay, here we go, another healing miracle. And it kind of blends in with all the others. Yes, here's Jesus healing again. Let's move on to the next one. But actually, I want us to see this evening that there is much more going on here. See, this is the only healing of someone who's deaf in all the Gospels. And we're going to see this evening that Mark has placed this in a very special and a very intentional place away from the other healings because he wants us to see that there's much more going on here than just one man being healed. Actually, we're going to see this evening that this is a picture of all of us, all of us who become Christian. See, every one of us needs to go through this process to understand Jesus. Now, how do we see this? Well, um, he shows us three things. Uh, it's, uh, those three things are on the back of your handouts. First of all, he shows us the problem we all have. We are spiritually deaf. Secondly, he shows us the solution we all need, that Jesus cures the spiritually deaf. And thirdly, he shows us the method that Jesus dies for the spiritually deaf. Now, firstly, we, we see here, and our first point, as someone put it, why your brain cannot save you. See, Mark shows us here loud and clear that there is a problem that our intellect cannot solve. See, even if we're presented with the right data, left to our own devices, we are spiritually deaf and we cannot hear. Now, how do we see this? Well, it is in this man. Now, it's worth remembering, isn't it, how serious a problem this is for this man. Uh, Back at university, I knew two people. Um, I knew more than that. I knew two people. Um, One was blind, one was deaf. I knew two people uh, facing this sort of problem. And I always thought up to that point that it was much worse to be blind. But actually, as I got to know the guy who was blind, it was very easy to communicate with him. As you started chatting, you would forget that he was blind. You would connect with him quite easily. But the deaf person, it was really a lot harder to know him. He spoke for an interpreter, and it was much more difficult to have that kind of human connection with him. And that is today where we have sign language and the written word. See, it would have been much harder in this society where it was largely illiterate, and the whole society worked on the basis of the spoken word. So here we meet a man who is in a tragic, tragic situation. He is without the tools he needs to connect with his world. He cannot speak He is deaf, and he is isolated. But as I hinted at the beginning, uh, where Mark places this man is interesting because um, all the healings in Mark happen at the beginning of the gospel, and it it feels like Mark has kind of placed this in in an odd place. 
But I want us to see this evening that Mark has been very intentional here because this whole section is about how we hear Jesus. Now, I realize we've jumped straight into Mark. Um, Perhaps you've just turned up to tonight, you didn't realize we're in Mark. Um, So I want us to do a bit of uh, context work. I want us to just pick up on this theme of hearing. Um, I know this can get very boring. I hope this isn't going to be boring. We'll go very quickly. Um, But have a look at chapter 4, verse 20. If you've closed your Bibles, do reopen them. It's on page 1006. Chapter 4, verse 20. See, here's um, the bit, uh, the parable of the sower, the, the very famous parable, and Jesus is talking about all the different responses to his message. And he says in verse 20, others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what is sown. Jesus is talking about the right response to his message. He says the right response is to hear it and to accept it. Now, this is a crucial bit of teaching for Jesus because he's teaching that your entrance to the kingdom doesn't come down to your spiritual CV. It comes down to whether you hear and believe Jesus. Now, um, we've been reading through Mark as a connect group. So uh, Connect Group, do know me afterwards and ask where I got this right. Um, but um, as a Connect Group, we've got to this point, and I asked them what sort of soil they thought they were. And um, they said, well, I think this is right. I think um, they said, we're good soil. Of course we are. Why are you even asking, Rob? But then I thought, well, okay, we'll, we'll see how you get on. Uh, we uh, read through a bit further, and we met the disciples. And when you meet the disciples, you assume they're going to be the good guys. They're going to hear Jesus as well. But the big shock in Mark is the disciples don't react as you might expect. Have a look at chapter 6, verse 52, over the page. We're told that they were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves, for their hearts were hardened. Do you get the point? Jesus says, to come into my kingdom is about hearing, but they don't understand. And in 7 verse 18, over the page, are you so dull, Jesus asked. Now, he's not meaning, are you dull, as in, are you into beige clothing, that sort of thing. He's saying, look, are you not getting it? Are you not understanding what I'm speaking? And in chapter 8, verse 18, it's the most shocking point where Jesus says, do you have eyes but fail to see, and ears but fail to hear? See, we assume that the disciples are going to get it. They're the good guys. They obviously are going to listen to Jesus. But Mark shows the opposite. Jesus is teaching them that the sound waves are hitting their eardrums, but actually it's not registering with them. They're deaf. See, rather than responding to Jesus, Mark is saying, look, they're like this man. They cannot hear. Jesus can speak all he likes, but they cannot hear his message. See, Mark uses this man to show us that there is a bigger problem with the human heart than we often realize. See, when it comes to Jesus, all of us have spiritual ear defenders on. See, it's worth seeing, isn't it? The disciples, they had the right information. They had a Christianity Explored course led by Jesus himself. There was pretty good odds they were going to respond rightly. But actually, they cannot hear It's worth remembering that Adam's sin um, affects more than just our hands. It's not that we just do bad deeds from time to time. Adam's sin spreads to the whole of our thought faculties. 
so that even when we're presented with the right message, we cannot hear it. See, often our world, I think, likes to think that um, if we are presented with the right information, we'll make the obvious and rational choice. At least I think our world used to think that a couple of decades ago. I think we've started to realize now that actually we've got a, a, a very big capacity to be very ignorant of the truth. Um, this, uh, this is one of my favorite films from uh, recent decades. It's called The Big Short. No, it's not. It's called Big Short. Um, and uh, it's about the financial collapse of 2008. Now, um, if you're into spreadsheets and charts and that sort of thing, this is a dream movie uh, because it is about all those types of things. And uh, it's like as an economist like me, it's a, an absolute dream. But what is striking about this film is that how the warning signs were there for everyone to see. See, the data was out in the open. People could see it, they could read it, and there were plenty of signs that things were not right, but nobody wanted to hear it. It's like people got their fingers in their ears. There's a great moment in the film, if you've seen it, where one of the characters speaks up in a, in a conference and puts his hand up and explains what's going on, but no one listens. And weeks later, the whole system collapses. It's a similar story when it comes to Jesus. See, on our own... We're like this deaf man. We cannot hear. You probably know what that's been like. You've been in a conversation with a friend. You've explained the gospel as clearly as you thought you've done it. And, and just by their reaction, you can tell that it's not registered. Um, several times now, uh, God has kept me humble. When I've, um, I've preached, and uh, I've preached on the subject of grace, and I've told people that you cannot do anything to earn your way to God's good books. You just have to trust. Jesus has done it all. And almost every single time I have a conversation with someone afterwards who says, well, yeah, but I'm not good enough. Or um, I, I can't do enough to earn my way to God. I'm sorry if that's you who's had that conversation with me. But uh, that's happened quite a few times. It's possible, isn't it, to grow up into church, uh, grow up in church and hear thousands of sermons and not really get it to remain spiritually deaf. Now, I was speaking to someone a couple of weeks ago who uh, said they felt like this. They said that they had sat in church for a long time and they heard lots of messages, but they just didn't really hear at all. And I asked him to make a few comments on uh, what I was talking about this evening. And he says this, he says, it used to be me sitting in those green chairs in the evening, that's you guys, thinking I knew all the answers, or at least I understood what Jesus had done and what the Bible was telling us. He says this, I guess I heard what was being taught back then. I made notes for sure. I listened to the Bible studies and even more than that, I contributed and got the answers right. But somehow, I was still misinterpreting it. You see the point? He heard the information, but he didn't hear. See, we have a greater problem than we imagine. We cannot hear on our own. We're like this deaf man. But whilst the problem is greater than we might imagine, the solution is so much more greater than we expect. Because Jesus, in our second point, goes on to demonstrate how the spiritually deaf can hear. Now, um, I don't know if you notice when uh, Jesus does this miracle that it's quite different to some of the other healing miracles. Because normally Jesus just speaks and the person is healed. But here there's a bit of ceremony. Jesus puts his fingers in the the deaf man's ears, and he touches his tongue. 
And uh, as you might imagine, all the commentators get very excited about this, and there's all sorts of speculation about why he does it. But I was most persuaded by someone who argues that Jesus is essentially using sign language here. And when you think about that, this is a really beautiful moment, isn't it? Because this man cannot hear Jesus. He obviously couldn't hear Jesus' words, so Jesus meets him on his level. And look at what happens in verse 34. Jesus looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Epaphatha, which means be opened. At this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. With a word, Epaphatha. The man's world is turned around, the sound waves start registering on his brain, and his vocal cords start working freely. Now, as part of this sermon, I um, started reading about people who have received their hearing for the first time and what that experience is like. And I, I came across uh, this one lady, Christina Hartman, who explained the, what it felt like. She says this, Then it happened. A tingling sensation pressed down on my right ear. It felt as someone was poking the inside of my skull, gently but insistently. That does sound strange. She said it was so alien that it had to be something totally new. And she says this, Nobody told me how saturated the world is with sound. Everything makes sound. Papers rustle when they move, shoes shuffle, traffic drones. The world hums and buzzes with constant activity. Wasn't it to feel that in a moment she goes from not hearing to hearing, and Jesus, with a word, no operation, goes from this man goes from a world of silence, a world of isolation, to a world of sound. It's a remarkable event, and it's worth seeing that Mark has shown us that it's not fiction. He shows us it's an historical event. It's notice the, the detail he gives us. He tells us where it happened in verse thirty-one. Uh, He tells us, with incredible detail, the word that Jesus spoke, Epaphatha, in Aramaic. See, he's saying that this really happened. Jesus is so powerful that with a word, he's able to heal this man. But as remarkable as this miracle is, there is much more going on here. Because remember I said that it comes in a section about hearing. See, no one, not even the disciples, can hear Jesus But that is all about to change in the next chapter, chapter 8, verse 29. Just turn over the page there and we'll have a look in a moment. See, here is the massive turning point in the gospel. See, chapter after chapter in Mark, the disciples don't respond. They just don't get who Jesus is. But look at what is happening in 8, verse 29. Jesus asked Peter, what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Christ. Now that is a heavily loaded phrase. It means God's anointed king. And for the first time, Peter sees. He hears. And this miracle with the deaf man is showing us how it's happened. It's because Jesus has unblocked his ears. See, on our own, we are left with spiritual ear defenders on. But then Jesus comes along and says, be opened. And then we can hear. Um, Where I used to work in London, um, it was near where John Wesley, the person who started Methodism in the 18th century, 
uh, had his kind of conversion experience. Um, and there's a, a statue right by the Museum of London. Anyone seen this? Uh, it's an incredible statue. If you're ever in the Museum of London, do go and have a look. Um, I'll read it to you in a moment. But um, it, it's, a, it's an entry from his diary about this experience. Now, um, what's interesting about John Wesley is he was, you would think, a Christian. He was an active Christian at a university. He started something called the Holy Club. And, um, but, but, but it didn't really make sense for him until this one moment. And he says this, In the evening, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street, where one was reading Luther's preface to the Epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. I guess Jesus said at that point, be opened, and John Wesley heard. The person I was speaking about in church earlier said that for a long time he didn't hear this, but now he says that he realizes somehow he was misinterpreting things. He says this, little and large details now explode with understanding, even though they were dormant. It's weird, he says. See, if we understand Jesus... It is because he has said, be opened. It's not our work. It's not because we're clever and have worked things out. It's because Jesus, by his spirit, has unblocked our ears. Often I think it's so easy, isn't it, to forget that. I remember a few years back I was um, with a group of university students and they asked me to explain how it was I became a Christian. And I started um, explaining it to them. I said, I look at, looked at Luke's gospel in my bedroom, uh, and I read through, and uh, I kind of didn't get grace for a long time. I spent a year and a half kind of wrestling it through, and eventually it kind of clicked, and I, I got grace and became a Christian. But then I sat down and just felt a little bit of shame, because I thought to myself, that just sounded very one-sided, Rob. Sounds like you got the information, you worked it out, and there was no mention of Jesus. So it's so easy, isn't it, to forget that Jesus needs to open our ears. We assume that we can work things out ourselves. Now, if we're a more conservative type of person, we might think that conversion comes through getting the right information, that if people are taught the right stuff, then they will become a Christian. Or perhaps if we're a bit more liberal, a bit more postmodern, we might think that conversion comes through looking within ourselves to find the answers, so that if people are left to search themselves, then they will become Christian. Now, both of those aren't completely wrong. We do need the right information, and we do need a subjective response to the gospel. But ultimately, it is Jesus' work. It is because he says, be opened. Now, we may be here this evening, and we've not had a kind of dramatic John Wesley moment. Perhaps we've grown up, and we've kind of gradually understood the gospel. That's okay. But it's Jesus who still does it. Or perhaps for some of us, we look at our friends and we think they will never respond. Or we look at the people we minister to and we think there's no hope. But we are being reminded this evening that Jesus has opened the ears of a deaf man and so he can open the ears of your friend. J.C. Rowles says about this passage, the Victorian preacher, we must never despair of others. 
It's a reminder, isn't it, why we don't put the pressure on people to respond. It's why kind of shouting or forcing people to respond to the gospel is inappropriate. Rather, we declare Jesus' finished work and trust that he says be opened. We've heard the problem. We've heard the solution. And third and finally, I want us to see that there's something else in this uh, healing, and that is Jesus' method See, there's a detail here and a third point that uh, is very easy to miss. I don't know if you saw it at the beginning of verse 34. It says this, He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him. Now, um, that's not the sort of sigh we make if we're mildly inconvenienced, like we've, the bus is running late and we kind of go, oh. It's, a, it's more like the kind of groaning we feel if we're in pain. And I thought to myself, why is Jesus groaning like this when he's healing this man? And it's worth noticing the word pops up in verse, chapter 8, verse 12, uh, where he's kind of frustrated at the disciples. But then I thought that doesn't seem the same kind of use of that word, because Jesus is about to heal this man. So why feel this pain? And then I looked more closely, and I saw that the language Mark uses here is very loaded. And I'm very appreciative of Tim Keller's insight into this, because he points out that this word for speech impediment in verse 32 only arises in the New Testament once. And it only arises once in the Old Testament as well. And the place it does is Isaiah 35. Now that is not a coincidence. That is very unusual. So let's turn there to Isaiah 35. And if you kept a finger, you've been rewarded with a quick turn. It's on page 719. This is a hugely significant passage because it talks about God coming to his people. Look at verse 2. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. And what will happen in verse 5 when God comes? Then the eyes of the, eye, the, eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout, for joy. And Mark is saying that day is now here. That day when God comes to his people and saves them, opening their ears, enable them to speak. As Jesus says, be open, that day is fulfilled. But look at what else Isaiah says in verse 4. Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. And as um, Tim Keller points out in his commentary on this, that, that we don't see that vengeance. We see Jesus doing the saving bit, but the judgment isn't there. And that is because we see a mark that the judgment falls somewhere else. See, he says this about the passage, Jesus is not taking out his sword. He's not taking power, he's given it away. He's not taking over the world, he's serving it. Where is the divine retribution? The answer is he didn't come to bring divine retribution. He came to bear it. And that is what we see in Jesus' death. See, on the cross, Jesus lets out another sigh, not because of one man's deafness, but because of his own pain. He cries out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And as Jesus cries out like that, as he's forsaken he takes the judgment for our spiritual deafness. 
So that even though we deserve to be left as we are in silence, left on a path of sin, Jesus steps in to save us and does so at the cost of his own blood. So that now, because of that work, we can hear him and we can speak to him without fear or worry. As we close, some practical implications. First of all, um, does our practice reflect this? See, if we understand that um, Jesus has to unstop ears, that would utterly transform our prayer life. See, there is a problem just too great for us to fix and a solution that lies with Jesus. Now, I'm not saying, of course, that we don't teach the gospel. Of course we do. But we do that underpinned by a life of prayer. We need to be praying that Jesus says, be opened. I wonder, are we praying for our friends? I know lots of us are in that habit, praying for one or two friends every day. Imagine what that could do if we were praying for our friends, praying for our families, that Jesus would unstop ears. Secondly, how do we think of our salvation? How do we talk about it? Remember my story back about the the group of students? I I just felt so ashamed because I've made the gospel sound so unattractive. It sounded like an elitist thing where I could pat myself on the back. We should be thinking that Jesus has done it. He has enabled me to hear. And thirdly, do we share, do we have confidence that Jesus can do this? See, Mark shows us time and time again that Jesus can do this, not just for one man, but for every single one of his followers. He continues to say, be open for Peter, for the disciples, for Paul, and for all the saints throughout the ages. And he continues to do that work today. The most hardened critic in your office, the most friend with the most liberal lifestyle, Jesus can say, be opened, and their ears will be opened. And do we think that about ourselves? Maybe you're you're here this evening and you think, not with my history. Or maybe you think, I've just had too many chances, I've sat here too many times, resolved to do something, and then I've not. And surely God will lose his patience with me. But this passage says, come to him, ask him, because Jesus will open ears. Let's pray. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Epaphatha which means be opened. Our gracious Father, we praise you that the Lord Jesus is this servant that Isaiah promised, the one who can open ears with a word. We pray, Jesus, for those of us who want to hear him clearly, that you would do that work in us. And please, Father, give us confidence that Jesus is doing that work today. Please help us to be prayerful, to be confident, and please, we pray, Father, that you would do this work by the Spirit of Jesus in this town with our friends and in our nation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.